I'm Cass. And I'm Kat. And welcome to the third episode of Two Book Bitches. Thanks for tuning in again, guys. We appreciate it. Little update. We're finally on Apple Podcasts. I know, which is so exciting. That was kind of a pain in the butt, but... Yes, we're finally on it. So you can finally leave us a review there if you'd like. We'd appreciate it. We would so appreciate it. Please, please do so. We're begging. We mm-hmm. are. All right, so let's let's get started. So today we're going to be talking about the second book in the Twilight Saga, New Moon. If you caught our episode last week, we were talked about Twilight. Yes, and now we're going to pick up New Moon, which was, I, I thought, a fun reread. Fun reread. I had definitely some major feels like I did the first time. I had many thoughts. Many thoughts. This, you know what? I'll get it. I'll get into it in like after I think the second reread for me or like additional rereads was so different than my first one. My first one was a lot different than everyone following. Okay, so as per usual, spoilers ahead. Mm-hmm. If you have not read the books, please turn back now or don't keep listening. Also, we just wanted to mention that in this book, um, there is some sensitive subject matter. I think mm-hmm. the characters really frequently talk about. Um, topics involving suicide, mental health issues, mental health issues, death, depression. Mm-hmm. So I think that if that's upsetting to some listeners, um, definitely know that we will be talking about it. And I think that you know, like obviously, we think we're funny. Um, so when we talk about the bugs and we laugh about certain situations, like and obviously certain things that she does, yeah, in the books. Obviously, we're doing so in the context of New Moon and the book, but and this character and what she's going through, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're definitely not trying to make light of mm-hmm. the situation as because we know this is a real issue that people go through mm-hmm. um, in real life. Yeah. So we just think... We just want to give that little disclaimer now. Yeah, exactly. All right. That being said... Now we can get started. Yes. Let's get yes. started. Okay. So this book starts with <laughs> Bella's 18th... No. Yeah. 19th. No, no. Girl, we're still bad at math. 18th <laughs> birthday. <laughs> 18th birthday. It's her 18th birthday, and the, 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 the book opens up where she's having this nightmare. Yes. And, well, I guess she doesn't realize it's a nightmare at first because she sees her grandma across the room, and then Edward comes up in the sun, and she's afraid that her grandma will see Edward sparkling in the sun. And this poor girl is so confused. Yeah, she's like, Edward, mm, grandma's going to see, see your skin. Yeah. And then as she walks towards her grandma, she slowly realizes that she's looking into a mirror and that old lady is her. Dun, dun, dun. Which I think is just the perfect way to explain visually how she's feeling. She yes. literally hates the fact that she's getting older yes. and that she's officially technically Older. Older than him. Quote, unquote. Quote, yeah. I mean, he's 109 at this point. Exactly. But, but technically... Her, she, yeah. Technically, he's 17. Still. Still 17 frozen that way where she's now 18. So needless to say, she's pissed. Mm-hmm. She's pissed off that it's her birthday. And she's not excited to celebrate her birthday no. in the slightest. She wants everyone to forget it's her birthday and she hopes no one gives her presents or anything like that. And I mean, like, Loki, the age I am now, I identify with that. Like, birthdays are not a big thing for me anymore. But mm-hmm. I remember being, like... 17, 18, and birthdays were like the best thing ever. Oh, I was just waiting to get to the legal age. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, when you're closer. Yes, which in Canada, just in case, is, is 19. Is 19, which is pretty lucky for us. But so, yeah, so she, it's her birthday, and poor Bella finds out that the Collins are throwing her a birthday party. Yes. One that she does not want slash need. No. And and see, this is this is the start of my gripe. Like, she literally says, she does not want a birthday. So many times. A they're party. Like, they're like, oh, we've never celebrated a birthday. Or yeah, It's been yeah. all these years. The last time we celebrated a birthday was, I don't know, Carlisle or something. Oh, 1865. The last time they celebrated a birthday was in 1865, and it was Emmett's birthday. Oh, okay. Someone. Anyways, they haven't celebrated a real birthday in a long time, so they're excited to celebrate hers. Yeah. Fair enough. Like, I mean, they love her. They're definitely doing it not out of, like, a malicious place, but... And so this is... You know, where all the problems in the book start at yes. her birthday party yes. at the Collins house. Yes. It's just her and the Collins. No yes. one else is invited. So it's first an exclusive off, party. Yeah. Very exclusive. Very exclusive. No, none of her friends, no. not Charlie, not anyone. No, like just that. the Collins and her. Also, her upsetness starts when like people kind of start giving her gifts. Like she really doesn't like when people spend money on her. No. Which is like a big thing in the books for her. Like 
she prom she makes Edward promise basically not to spend any money on her. Mm-hmm. And which I think is funny because we ended up Googling how much money the Collins have. I know it's pretty astronomical. Yeah. We Googled their network and I think it's like as as of 2010. As of 2010, it was $34 billion. Yes. And this is because Alice watches the stock market, which I'm pretty sure is illegal. <sighs> yeah. Like a hundred percent illegal. But she like has visions. She like has a vision of what's what's gonna make more money and whatever. But like where does my question is like where do they hide the money? Yes. What do they just have an account that's like been open for two hundred years and the name on the account is Alice Collins? I don't know. I've never really understood how stock markets work yeah. anyway, so yeah. I'll just go with that. Yeah. So yeah, she's pissed off about the gifts and then she gets a gift from whose gift is it that starts this shit? Is it I think it's Carlisle's and, and Esme's. Esme's gift. Okay. I think. And so she's opening it. And girl gets a paper cut. A fucking paper cut. And what I love about this in the books and even in the movies, girl just gets a paper cut. She's like, ooh, paper cut. And then she just proceeds to stare at it. Hard. Like she's like, "Mm, I saw the blood ooze from the paper cut. She's literally looking at her finger, watching the blood pool. And I mean, like, doesn't, I mean, I just think the, the normal reaction for most people, when you get a paper cut, you put that sucker in your mouth. Yes. You get, I yelled there. <laughs> yes, it's so true. Like, you get a paper cut, you put your finger in your mouth. I agree. So when she just, like, decides to stare at it in front of, the, you know, a family of vampires who are like, ooh, blood. Yeah. It's really a lapse in judgment no, on her part. Total lapse in judgment. So obviously she gets this paper cut. She fails to put it in her mouth like mm-hmm. a normal human being. Mm-hmm. And she looks up and all the vampires are basically like staring at her. Losing their fucking like, shit. <laughs> yeah. And so we mentioned Jasper in the last book, but or in the last episode. But Jasper, you have to remember, is like the newest uh, vampire. Yes. And especially the newest to their lifestyle. Mm. So he's still the freshest, quote unquote, vegetarian, of, if yeah, you will. Yeah. He hasn't been off human blood for a long time. So he loses his shit. Mm-hmm. He immediately wants to eat her. And, and as a retaliation, Edward's like, let me just push Bella against a, like a, ta- a glass table. Yeah. He, he basically bodies her yeah. into a glass table. And then she falls over the glass table, cuts her arm, and then proceeds to bleed more in front of vampires. So then Jasper goes even more crazy. And now, like, Emmett's holding him back. Yeah, Alice know. is in front of him. And, like, also, okay, this is, like, my theory. I don't know if it's ever confirmed, but this is my uh, conspiracy theory here. So Jasper has the power of, like, emotion, right? Mm-hmm. So he can, like, feel emotion, manipulate emotion. So I think, like, not only was he going crazy because he himself wants to suck her blood i think that he felt everyone else's bloodlust too so it's like maybe because everyone basically leaves the room mm-hmm. everyone but carlisle yeah he's because he's basically doesn't phase him at all yeah anymore so they all skedaddle um so he must be feeling what they're feeling which this, i think is just it's sad this is a theory that i would like stephanie meyer to confirm or deny yes i need to know stephanie meyer love, yeah if you're if listening, you're listening if you ever listen, let us know. Please uh, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> Call us. Yeah. Our email's in the description. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so Jasper basically tries to attack her. Edward gets really upset that this happened. And they all leave the room because now Groen stitches for the cut that's yeah. on her arm. Mm-hmm. And so Carlisle, you know, is stitching her up. And this is where you get a really nice conversation um, where you kind of see how Carlisle and Edward view their souls yes they're kind of like eternal souls. yeah they believe that ever since they turned into vampires their souls were damned basically that they are soulless monsters yeah at this point and that's the whole reason why edward is so afraid to turn bella into a vampire right because apparently edward is incredibly spiritual and really values his soul slash value or the lack of his soul and values um bella's soul he doesn't want her to be damned eternally. Yes. Yeah. Which I think is a load of shit, but that's another... Uh, I mean, teach their own, I guess. Yeah. It just seems like such a wishy... I guess it's because I don't identify with that reasoning. But I guess like you have to keep in mind that the, the eras that both Carlisle and mm-hmm. Edward came from, mm-hmm. like they probably were probably spiritual people. Yeah. So to them, it probably meant something. Yeah. Also, like, little interesting tidbit when they're um, talking, Carlisle mentions that when Edward was about to die, and so was his mother, his mother literally said to Carlisle, Edward's mother literally Mm -hmm. said to Carlisle, help him 
in a way that no one else can help like, him. Help him in a way only you can. Yeah, like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, kind of insinuating that she knew he was a vampire. I don't know how she figured it out. No, I don't know. But uh, Again, I just thought that was really cool. The yeah. like, little backstory yeah. that you get. So that's the end of the birthday party. She gets stitched up by Carlisle and then Edward drives her home and he's all moody and sad because, you know, his family almost killed her. Yeah. He's he's definitely acting moody, but it's kind of like weird. He, he acts like fairly normal after. Yeah, he kind of like internalizes it a bit and then the next day it starts showing out that he's like upset. Yeah. He like finds it really hard to like kiss her. Like he just... He starts getting distant. She doesn't see him as much for the next couple of days. Yeah. He doesn't, like, stay over like he mm-hmm. normally does, that kind of thing. They also have that conversation about, like, do you want me for my blood or my body? Which was, like, in the context of, like, let's be real. She's going to get old if he doesn't change her. Mm-hmm. And her whole thing is, like, are you still going to love me? When I look like a grandma. Yeah. Which I think, like, and again, this may be, like, slightly shallow, but there's an aspect of attraction mm-hmm. when you're in a relationship. And he's forever going to be a 17-year-old looking person and and he's like dead ass saying that it won't matter to him yeah apparently he's still gonna find her insanely attractive and like want to make out with her but i guess i guess in maybe in his mind like their relationship will change over time yeah less sexual more companionship as she ages which i the problem is i don't think she wants that well i mean like i don't know i don't know what his thought process is it's probably dumb but whatever i guess we'll find out well we only find out in midnight sun no, we won't because that's not New Moon. Okay, Stephanie Meyer, if you're listening. Please write New Moon in the... That would actually be yes. really interesting. Literally, because he's... Well, spoiler, he's gone. He's about to leave Ditch for a very long time. I'd be very interested to know how depressed he was that whole time. And what he was doing. Yeah. Because in the movie, you see he's in like Brazil. Um, you see he's in like Rio, I think. Rio de Janeiro. At some point. But he's... But what he has he been doing? Later that he's yeah. been doing other things. Anyways. Yeah, so Stephanie Meyer, if you're listening. If you're listening, please... Please, please do that. Right in his so, yeah. point of view. Then he shows up at her house and he's like, knock, come knock. for a walk <laughs> with me. And he takes her on a walk on a path in the woods behind her house. Mm-hmm. And my thought is, already, this is going to be bad. 100%. If someone comes, okay, if your boyfriend comes up to the door and is like, hey, take a walk with me in the woods behind your house, only bad things can happen. So he takes her back into this path, they walk up the trail and they kind of like stop in like essentially the middle of the woods. They're technically still on the trail. They're still in the woods. They're still in the woods, okay? And Edward fucking Cullen proceeds to essentially crush Bella's heart. Just break it into a million tiny pieces. Yes. He's basically like, oh, we have to leave. And she's like, okay, I'm going to leave with you. And he goes, no, I don't want you to come. He was like, oh, um, yeah, about that. I meant that me and my family were leaving, not you. Yeah, and he goes, I don't want you. Which I think is like, uh, like I'll admit the first time I read this book, I cried at that part. No, the first time I read this book, I was like, whoa, whoa, hold on a minute. This is not what I signed up for. I was so, I was like bawling at this point. And I was about to throw this book in the garbage. (laughs) Then I proceeded to look at the ending and I was like, all right, I'm okay with that. I can continue reading. Oh yeah, okay, listen. If you're Team Edward, just get this confession off your chest. When you got this book for the first time, you saw that he left, skipped past the middle of the book. Oh, I was literally, I skimmed the whole book after I read that section, trying to see any mention of Edward in the rest of the book. Because if he wasn't there, I was abandoning this series. She was abandoning ship. (laughs) Literally. I was like, how could you do this to me? I did not sign up for this. Yeah. This is trash. But it is. It's just... It's such an upsetting part because not only does he break up with her, he his his whole thing is to make her feel like he never truly loved her and that all he, all the birthday party did was make him realize that they can never be together. Mm-hmm. And what was he thinking? Thinking that it could ever work between them, which I just think is so sad because basically what he does is he makes her feel like worthless, essentially. But like he has his int- I mean, we'll get to his intentions later. Right. But like he did it because he knew that she wouldn't believe him any other way. Yeah. So, like, and the only way that she would stay is if she believed that he didn't want her. Yeah. And then, anyway, so he's like, okay, peace, and runs away because, you know, he's... Literally, he dips. And, okay, and here's thought the part where I'm like, you're an idiot, Edward. You left her in the woods. You didn't think that after you vamosed, 
she wasn't going to follow you in deeper into the woods? Like, I don't know what his thought process was like, okay, I'm going to break her heart. I'm going to make her feel like dirt. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave and she's going to walk back to her house nicely. Clearly he didn't know her very well. No, he's a dumb bitch. Like he literally abandons her in the middle of the woods. And obviously she gets lost wandering looking for him. She gets lost, yeah. And she just like... I think at one point she trips on a branch and, and she, she just falls on the ground and she's like, yep, I'm staying here now. She like doesn't get up, which is... She's, she was just too sad and just so upset that she was like, I'm yeah, staying Yeah, it's so upsetting. Yeah. And then she literally stays into the woods, in the woods until... Nighttime. Until until Sam Yuli finds her. Yes. So basically like how this ends off is Sam Yuli, who is a member of the Quilyu tribe um, in La Push, he finds her in the middle of the woods, scoops her up, walks her out and deposits her with her father, Charlie. And apparently, like, Edward had written a note copying her handwriting saying... saying that, like, I was in the woods. Yeah, so they knew where yeah. to look. And it was just so sad to me when I read this the first and second time because when she finally gets back to Charlie, all she's saying is, like, he's gone. He's yeah. Gone. Literally, the first time I read it, sobbed. Second yeah. time I read it, was still crying. Maybe not as aggressively, mm-hmm. but I still teared up. Whereas no, first I felt time, bad. First time I was like about to throw this in the garbage. Oh, yeah. Lie. Oh, and then he says to her, he, like Edward, before he leaves too, he goes, it will be as if I never existed. Yeah. So he luck. essentially like erases himself from mm-hmm, her life. Mm-hmm. And then come the most famous, how many pages? Four pages. Literally just one page. October. Next page. November. Next page. December. Next, next page. page. January. January. And then... The next chapter starts. Which is waking up. Just waking up and this is when, you know, it's been a couple months since Edward's left, but you find out that, you know, she is still grieving him. Yeah. So people, like, you find out in a later part of the book the way Charlie describes it and the way people describe it is as if she was, like, comatose. Mm -hmm. So she was alive, but she wasn't... She was eating and she was doing her homework and she was going to school, but she wasn't living. No, she was, like... Pretending that she had no feelings because thinking about him would just make her so sad and it was just too overwhelming to think about mm-hmm. him. So she preferred that numb feeling. Yeah. That. So she was just, it was in her mind better to be numb. Mm-hmm. That was basically so it. So she was almost like a walking zombie, I think they describe her at one yes. point. So Charlie basically like snaps at her and he's like, okay, I I can't, you can't be like this anymore. You need to... Go live with your mom and Go live with your mom. Maybe the sun will help you getting away from here. And she's like, deadass, I'm not leaving. No. And then he goes, okay, fine. Then go, maybe you should talk to a therapist. And mm-hmm. she goes, her, her reasoning, I mean, again, this is a novel. Her reasoning is that she thinks that therapy should be done honestly. And how can she be honest when the source of her feelings are a vampire? A vampire, yeah. She right. can't, she feels like... It's not going to be effective for her if she can't truly explain explain her feelings. Explain the gravity of the situation. exactly. So, yeah, Charlie snaps and then she – to appease Charlie, she basically is like, Dad, don't worry about it. I'm actually going out with Jessica. Mm -hmm. And Jessica, if you guys remember, is one of her friends. Friends, quote unquote, because let me tell you. Bad friend. I have some things to say about Mm -hmm. her friends. So she calls up Jessica and they decide to go to a movie. Yeah. They basically do the most like and generic. Jessica, I think, is like surprised to hear from her because for the past couple of months, Bella has not talked to any of her friends. I just think, okay, her friends see it as like, okay, your boyfriend broke up with you, big deal. But at the end of the day, if she was really your friend, would you not be kinder to her? Would you not be more like have more grace towards her and stuff? Like the way they talk about her is like oh my god, I can't believe you ignored us for four months. Like, you were so weird. Like, Mm -hmm. how are you like this? And Jessica's, like, so sarcastic and so snooty when they go to this movie. Her feelings are very – like, Bella's feelings are very much dismissed by her friends. Because her friends think that she's overreacting. But still, you don't do that to a friend? Even if they're, like – I mean, I've already said this from the beginning. Like, they're not her friends. No. Those people at that high school are not her friends. They never were from day one. Maybe the only person is maybe – Angela. Angela is the only one who was – Borderline nice. And she actually mentions it in the book. Bella says, like, this is... She avoids talking to Angela because she knows that... Angela can read her feelings. Yeah, and Angela actually gives a shit about her. And Angela actually cares and asks, whereas, you know, sometimes she prefers to hang out with Jessica because Jessica doesn't give a shit. Yeah, because let's face it, Jessica's vapid. She's your typical, like, she's 
pretty self-absorbed in like mm -hmm. her own life mm -hmm. and she wants you to ask about her and only she yeah. wants to talk about her which is totally fine with bella because bella doesn't want to talk about herself so so anyways bella goes on this movie date with jessica yeah. and this is when some interesting things occur yes so after the movie they're walking to mcdonald's for dinner which is Great choice. I think the best spot ever to go to dinner. <laughs> I saw the reference of McDonald's in the book and I was like, hey. I, I literally, <laughs> I literally tagged it and I said, mm, McDonald's because I fucking love McDonald's. Okay, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyways. So they go, they're walking to McDonald's and then across the street there's this pub called, I think, One Eye Pete's or something. Something like it's a weird name. And Bella sees these like guys in the pub mm -hmm. that she thinks kind of look familiar. She thinks they kind of remind her of the guys she saw in Twilight, you know, in the alley. The guys who almost kill her. You remember right, those ones? Right, right. So she's like, hmm, smart idea. Let me go look. Let me go, you know, get a closer look at these creepy guys. I, yes. So she walks up to them. And the best part about this is kind of like the closer she gets to these guys and like the closer she gets to the situation, she starts hearing a, a voice. voice. And the voice sounds suspiciously. Like okay. one Edward Cullen. Yes. So she realizes that, well, at this point, it's just a theory. She doesn't know she for has a, sure. She has a theory that when she puts herself in danger, Edward's voice might appear warning her, you know, to, you know, don't do this. You're putting yourself in danger. Go home type of yes. thing. So she basically kind of like pushes the limits with these like guys while Jess is like literally screaming in the background being yeah, like, is like are, you, are, you? are you crazy? Why are you going up to these creepy looking guys? Yeah, it's insane. So she basically like is kind of, is Adrenaline. she happy? Yeah. Is she happy about hearing his voice? I think so. She definitely. I think she's like, I don't know how to describe it. Like she's describes it as a pain that doesn't hurt as much like it doesn't hurt to hear his voice but mm -hmm. it's it's nice like it's almost like a comfort thing. it's a comfort for her because she's realizing that she doesn't remember what he sounds like yeah. she's almost forgetting what he looks mm -hmm. like so I, to hear it so crystal clear in her mind she mm -hmm. was like although it, it's gonna be painful later mm -hmm. right now it feels so good yeah and i think her whole thing is like she just is happy that she doesn't feel absolutely numb anymore yeah. Like, she's happy to feel any other emotion. So she obviously goes back to Jess, and Jess is yeah. like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Mm -hmm. And Bella's like, hee hee, I thought I knew them. And Jess is like, you're weird, again, is being typical Jess, drops her off at home, blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah. Now that Bella has this... Uh, this theory going on. She decides she to do... Thinks, you know, if she does something dangerous. Yeah. She decides to do what any scientist would do. And, test uh, the theory. Put her hypothesis to the test. So she's driving by one day, and she sees bikes for sale yeah these, these motorcycles motorcycles specifically mm -hmm. um and they're pretty like beat up probably you know cost a ton of money to fix way more than they're worth unless you have a mechanic type friend yeah so she knocks on these people's door and she's like hey can i have your bike and they're like yeah sure and take it for free yeah they're like yeah they're take like both yeah of them. they're gonna go to the junk anyways because they they suck so she takes these bikes and she's like Let's go see Jacob. Black. So she skedaddles to see my favorite, Jacob, Jacob Black. Black. And I love him so much in this book. But okay, again, if you've watched the movies, Taylor Lautner has like this really funny way of saying her name. It's almost like he like swallows her name when he says it. So instead of saying like Bella, he goes Bella, like Bella in like the back of his throat. And I just think it's ridiculous. So the first time he sees her as she's like walking towards him, he was literally like, Bella and I just died of laughter and the first thing she notices about him is that Jacob Black is six foot five mm -hmm. which I mean he's grown a lot since last yes. time she saw him so he's still a beanpole apparently but he is six five so she asks him she's like do you think you can fix these bikes and he goes yeah because I'm super cool and I know how to fix everything yeah because he, he just finished or he's working on his car too he's fixing his car yeah so he knows how to fix motorcycles yeah. apparently I don't know how he's a 16 year old boy I missed that class in high school. Apparently. Like, there was a part where they were, like, talking about it. And, oh, the part where they actually end up riding the motorcycles where he's like, this is the clutch. This is the... And I was like, like... Who taught you how to ride a motorcycle? That's not just not, like, information that people know. No, he was born with it. He, listen, if this book was in his perspective, low-key, you'd be seeing him going to the library... And fucking Googling this shit. And, you know, reading Motorcycles for Dummies. A hundred percent. Yeah, because he had no idea what he was talking about. He just wanted to hang out with her. He was like... I'm gonna make this work. I'm gonna Google the shit out of yeah. how to fix motorcycles. Because remember, Jacob Black is 
from the last book, he was like very like, I feel like it was like puppy love. Mm-hmm. I just think now he's so excited to see her that he's like, oh my God, like it doesn't matter how we hang out. Like I have to hang out with you. So he decides that he's going to basically rebuild the bikes with her. Mm-hmm. And she's, <laughs> this is my favorite part. She's going to foot the bill and she's going to foot the bill using the money that she had saved up for college. And she loves the fact that Jacob Black is basically like reckless enough to let her do it. That's her favorite thing about him. Well, maybe not reckless, but just naive. Yeah, because just such a teenager young, thing you know to what do. I mean? Like he doesn't know what he's doing yeah. either. So they're building these bikes and like, oh no, no, he's building the bikes. She's just sitting there watching because she's useless. She has no idea what she's doing. Honestly, fair because if he's I was- sitting, she's sitting in the garage with him at his house while he's doing all the work. Yes, and she's just buying the parts because she has the money. Yeah, she's supplying food. The parts. Food parts, and he's doing all the manual labor. Yes. And we also meet Quill and Embry. Which are his two best friends. I just have to say, I love the Quillia boys. I think they're so funny. Mm -hmm. I love the, like, brotherhood that they have. I love the fact that in the movie, they actually cast indigenous peoples to play the characters in the book. Everyone everyone who was part of the tribe. Yeah. We actually, like, Googled it, and they all had some... Where they they say that they're part indigenous yeah so that was really cool but i literally love those boys and like the best part is like oh they're talking about um bella's talking about how she's getting such a deal with jacob to fix her bike and then she goes not to mention the riding lessons and then quill and embry basically like whisper something to each other and start laughing and jacob like hits the back of their heads and i can only imagine just boys and like a sexual reference yeah like they're just eating that up it's like ooh, riding lessons so. <laughs> LOL. i just thought that was funny yeah anyway so she starts hanging out with jacob and she's noticing that the pain and that hollowness or mm-hmm. the way she says it the hole in her heart yeah is starting to feel less painful when she hangs out with him yeah and he has this this personality that's so warm and happy and she loves being around him yeah but obviously you know He's a boy and he was obviously he already had a crush on her. So mm-hmm. the more she's hanging out with him, he's starting to build feelings towards her. Yes. And it, you know, and she's worried that the more they hang out, the more the, the more those feelings will develop. And at the same time, she's unsure that she'll ever be able to reciprocate those feelings yeah. towards him because you know, she is so broken and so heartbroken. She doesn't know if her heart will ever heal that way yeah. to be able to give herself to him. And she she recognizes this in Jacob, like I think so, like, the, a big middle part of this book basically is her hanging out with Jacob Black. Like, her hanging out with Jacob, her going to the movies with Jacob. Discussing, you know, how she feels about him. It kind of changes from, you know, I wish he was just my half brother. Yeah. Or full brother. Yeah. He, she mentions in part of this, she was like, I would have, I would basically give anything for Jacob Black to be my brother. Because yeah. Because she, least... she wants some, like, claim on him or something. Mm-hmm. Some, some reason why they can be hanging out all the time that's not. Yeah, maybe a physical attraction. Exactly. Because I think she does feel bad. She does recognize that Jacob has feelings for her, Mm -hmm. but she, especially early on in the book, does not think that she can ever reciprocate. Yeah, she does not. And I think that does change throughout the book. It does change throughout the book, but I mean, I don't think it ever reaches like Edward's status, but... Especially not in this book. I don't think it reaches anywhere I don't think it ever reaches Edward's status. Excuse yourself. Listen, the first time I read this book, I was Team Edward, I will say. I skipped through the middle and I was like, fuck it. I don't want to read about Jacob Black. He's dumb. Blah, blah, blah. But when I tell you the rereads of this series, when I just think that Jacob Black is like the sweetest, warmest guy. He is. He is. A f- like, he is. He's he's very sweet. He's very like. Like he doesn't. Ha- he's very sweet. He's so nice to her. He's so normal. He's so like. He's very accepting of her feelings towards yes. him. And, you know, maybe right now it's just friendship and mm-hmm. he's willing to wait. He's even said mm-hmm. that, like, I'm willing to wait for that to develop into more if it can, yeah. you know? And he never, like, pushes her. Like, no. he recognizes when she's upset and he's just kind of like, okay, I can tell you don't want to talk about that. And that is one of my favorite things about him. There's one part in the middle and I literally die when I read it because I just think it's so sweet. She says to him, like, how do you know me so well? It's like you're reading my mind. And he goes, no, I just pay close attention to you. Mm-hmm. And to me, again, this is coming from a team Jacob person. I just think that is so perfect because she always says like, or Edward always complains about, he can't read her mind. He doesn't know what she's saying. Yada, yada, yada. And then there's Jacob Black, who's just like, no, I mean, I, I just pay really close attention to you and how you feel. And I just think that's like the most like kind thing that he could have said to her at the time. So yes, I love Jacob Black, needless to say. 
So now we're at the part where Jacob has finally fixed the bikes and they're ready to run. Yes. She's like, let's fucking let's, do this. Let's do this shit. So remember, Bella's a scientist, right? So she's testing out her hypothesis that... If when she does something dangerous, Edward's voice stupid. will pop up and be like, no, don't do this. And she's very excited. So she gets on the bike for the first time. Jake gives her a little, you know... Lesson. A five-minute lesson on how to use a motorcycle. Yeah, because apparently that's enough. He's like, like this is the brake. This is the, the clutch. We're not wearing helmets. Good to go. Fuck it. Go like, for it. Terrible idea. Mm-hmm. But anyways, so she, you know, starts... She's about to start the motorcycle, and then she hears Edward's voice. And she's like... She's like, yes. yes, this is it. This is what I've been waiting for. My hypothesis is correct. <laughs> and then so she starts to actually ride the motorcycle and she still, hear, still hears him. And she's getting hyped now. And she's, yeah, and she's getting really excited. And then she loses control of the motorcycle. And she crashes. And she crashes and like hits her head and starts bleeding. <sighs> and then my favorite part is every time this girl gets injured, she goes, I'm sorry. Yeah, because whenever she bleeds, she's afraid the vampires are going to yeah. kill her. So she's like, I feel I'm like sorry. she says, I'm sorry, so much that she's basically a Canadian. Maybe. I don't know. I just, pretty close it's always her fault. It is it always Bella's fault. fault. Yeah. Everything. Anyway, so when Be- uh, Jacob catches up to her, she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And he goes, you're apologizing for bleeding? And she's like, she's like uh, I, guess, I guess that I am. Yeah. I guess I am. I can't. Uh, she's like, I, you, don't want, you don't want my blood? Oh, no, you don't? Okay. Yeah. So he takes his shirt off, right? This is the part where he takes his shirt where off. where he takes his shirt off. Right. And... So he takes his shirt off in the book, but he also does this in the movie because I'm pretty sure he was contractually obligated in the movie. He takes his shirt off like every five minutes. He was like, they were like, um, Taylor, you've had your shirt on for seven minutes and, um, your con, that's actually in breach of your contract. (laughs) I mean, though, if we're being honest for the rest of the book, after he, you know, after he takes that shirt off the first time, he's basically shirtless for the rest of it. Which I mean, I'm not mad at. Not me either. I was not mad at that. So he takes his shirt off. He's like mopping her forehead and he's like, let me take you to the hospital. And she's like, no, please don't take me to the hospital because then Charlie will find out that we've been riding motorcycles because they haven't told their parents. But she needs stitches. Yeah. So he's like, okay. So they come up with this story. I think that she like fell in the garage and hit her head on a hammer. Something like that. Anyway, she needs like seven stitches. like Which is insane to me. And I mean, I guess a believable story story when you're that klutzy. I guess. So it's all good. I mean, tons of bad things happen to her on repeat. So Mm -hmm. unluckiest girl ever. Yep. So the next, Bella goes on a triple date. Yes. And I love this because in the book, the chapter is actually called Third Wheel. Because that's literally what it is. (laughs) But I love it. So basically, Bella arranges to go see a movie with all of her fake friends. (laughs) Fucking hate her friends. Except for Angela. and, um, And Jacob. And all of them you know, get sick or whatever. They all end up stomach bailing. flu. Yeah, they all, they all end up bailing because they have the stomach flu. Except for Mike, who still has a crush on her. Whatever. Who is literally in... I cannot whatever. stand We're Mike. We're not going to go there. I can't. And Jacob. So it's just the three of them. And they go see this, like, action-packed movie because Belle explains the book that she can't see romance. Yeah, she can't have anything she to do with love. She can't see that. Yeah, she doesn't want to deal with it. So no. So if they go see some disgusting movie where everyone's getting punched out of their minds. And it's funny because in the book, they're literally describing how she's sitting there and on either, and she's sitting in the middle of both boys and on either side of her, the boys have their hands face up on the armrests, hoping that she'll be terrified by the movie and clutch onto their hand. And if that is not the most high school thing you've ever heard in your life, like tell me that you at one point in your teen years didn't go to a movie, sit beside your crush or someone that you liked and absolutely sweat at the thought of them potentially holding your hand in this he, movie. Honestly, though, it should have been better. He, the, Jacob should have been like, let me just count shoulders. One, One two, two, three. Oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. I'm arms around you. And like, I think at this point too, he's he's like held her hand like casually yeah. a couple times. Yeah. And she's like, doesn't, she doesn't say anything about it. She just, like, she's kind of like, you know what? I don't hate it. Yeah. Which is, I guess, a good thing, but also kind of depressing for Jacob. At this point, when they're watching the movie... Um, like Mike gets sick and he has to like end up leaving. Right. And this is funny too, because Jacob goes, you should hold up for someone with a stronger, stronger stomach. stomach. It's like, what a marshmallow, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is funny. So this is actually the last time that she sees Jacob Black for a little bit, right? Yes. Yes. Because the next time she sees him, he's very different. Yes. So she goes home. They go home. Jacob explains that he's kind of feeling off. And she's like, oh, call me. You know, you get home, whatever. And he never does. He never calls her. And basically this starts, kickstarts like 
a time period where she keeps trying to get in contact with him, but she keeps getting the runaround from not only him, but Billy, his yeah, dad. Yeah, and they're like, oh, he has mono. Or he's oh, sick. no, he doesn't have mono. He's just yeah, this. Or like, yeah, oh, no, yeah. he's not that. So she's really upset because Jacob is basically ignoring her. Not yeah. answering her phone calls, dodging her, all those sorts of things. She just really doesn't get it. And, you know, she had mentioned that Jacob was what was helping her feel better, making that hole in her, in her, in her heart go away. Yeah. And so now that she's not seeing him and he's not answering her, that hole is starting to come back. And she's panicking, basically. She's panicking. And so her and Jacob had previously um, started to go looking for the meadow that Edward took her the first time. Yeah. And they hadn't found it. So, in, yeah, in Twilight, Edward takes her to that meadow and it's, like, gorgeous, beautiful, and they spend so much time and there. And so she's thinking that, you know, if she goes there, maybe it will help her feel better or maybe see him again somehow, Exactly. You know? Or, like, hear him in her head. So now that Edward, now that Jacob is ignoring her, she decides that she's going to go find that meadow by herself. Yeah. So genius, okay, hikes alone. So she hikes and she actually does end up finding the meadow. And she does. metaphorically, this meadow is like literally dead. I think when she finds it, it's not It's not like season for flowers to be yeah. there. So. so when she sees it, it's very like visually different than in the first book. Cause in the first book it's like wild flowers and it's gorgeous. Now she sees it and it's like all overrun with like grass and mm-hmm. kind of ugly looking. But the best part about this is when she's in the meadow... She sees a familiar face. Not a good familiar face. No, not a very good face at all. She sees Laurent. Mm -hmm. So Laurent, if you remember, was part of that little nomad group. and Which was James, Victoria, and Laurent from Twilight. Exactly. James being dead now. Yep. James is dead. They don't really know where Victoria is. And last they heard from Laurent was that he was going up to Alaska to hang out with the Denali's, which is a coven of vampires Mm -hmm. up there. So she sees Laurent and to her surprise, yeah, she starts to hear in her head Edward's voice. Who's telling her to lie, basically. And I guess she she starts to realize that this is probably, you know, she's in trouble. This is not a good situation to be in. Because she's not a good liar. No, and she's not. So Laurent is like asking her, he's like, where are the Cullens? Like, like, I came to see them and they weren't here. Yeah, I stopped by their house. It looks very empty. Like the smell is like kind of gone. She's like, why did they why didn't they take you? Type of thing. And Bella's like, oh, they come visit so often, blah, blah. And like, I'll let you, I'll tell them that you stopped by, whatever. And he's not buying it at all. Yeah. And he basically tells her that she's lucky that it's not Victoria that found her and that he will basically give her a swift death. So Edward in her head is like, beg, start begging. Yeah, and he tells her that Victoria asked him to come to see yeah. if the Collins were still protecting her mm-hmm. because, you know, she Victoria wants Bella dead. Yes. So you kind of find out that, like, basically Victoria's whole motivation here is to kill Bella because James is her mate. And James died at the hands of Edward. So it's only fair that Victoria kill Edward's mate. Exactly. So Laurent is like, don't worry, I'm going to give you a swift death. And Bella is literally like, please don't do this. Please don't do this. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is she sees these giant ass fucking wolves. Mm-hmm. I think there's five of them. I think that, yeah, I think there's five at this point. She sees these massive wolves and she's like petrified because uh, she's like, what are those? Literally, what and are those? And then Laurent kind of like does a double take and he's like, oh no, because obviously he knows what they I think, are. I think his like words are like, I don't believe it. Mm-hmm, and like, like that. essentially these wolves like take off after Laurent. Yes. And Bella's like, well, those wolves don't stand a chance against Laurent, a vampire. Exactly. Because right? in her mind, the vampires are the most dangerous yeah. thing ever. So she decides to skedaddle on home because she's yeah. gotten out now, thankfully. And one thing to note is that there were there had been prior to this a bunch of unusual sightings of something that looked like a super large bear. bear. Yeah, everyone kept saying. It was and a now bear. Bella, cl- it clicked to Bella. She's like, it's not a bear; it's a giant wolf. Yeah, which she tells this to Charlie, mm-hmm. and Charlie's like, dot dot dot. Okay, thank you for yes, this information. Because this, this, these giant bears have supposedly been killing tons of hikers. hikers. Yeah. In the woods. Left, right, and center. Supposedly, it's the bears that are doing that. Yeah. It's obviously vampires. Yes. So anyways, so Bella is traumatized by this little interaction between Laurent. And now she's afraid that Laurent and Victoria know that she's unprotected. Exactly. And they're going to come kill her, Mm -hmm. essentially. So, and she's feeling really distressed because not only did this happen, but she doesn't have her friend to, like, lean on anymore. Mm -hmm. Jacob is still currently not dealing with her, not Not talking to her. her. So she decides that the best thing to do at this point is to stomp on over. And see Jacob. Yeah. See him in person. Mm -hmm. So this is the best part. When she sees him in person at this part, isn't he also, like, super buff? 
super buff, but I think he also grew taller too or something. I don't know. I don't know. He's he, super tall, super buff. Super tall, they got super the muscular. Part, right, in the, in the movies. Yeah. So much that. Oh, he also cut off all his hair. So he had. Yes, now he has very short buzz mm-hmm. cut. So basically he's hanging out with these people and the people that he's hanging out with are Sam Yuli and Sam's friends. So mm-hmm. basically Bella sees this and she thinks it's weird because before all this is happening, Jake, Embry, and Quill are basically part of like the I hate Sam Yuli club. They mm-hmm. think he's like so weird. They think he's hot shit and he walks around the reservation like he owns the place and they don't understand why yeah, all the elders love him and stuff like that and jacob makes even says that he's like sam looks at me weirdly as if i'm the next person to join this cult slash gang that he's has going yeah he and he's like super and he's worried that you know he is gonna get to him or whatever that yeah. means to him right so when bella sees him and him and, and embry ha- he's hanging out with embry now and sam, sam they're all hanging out in the same group she's like she's like what did they do to you like what happened so basically in her mind they're like part of a gang and she's mm-hmm. like oh my god they got to him so she like runs up to him and she's like can we talk alone and mm-hmm. he's like okay and she's like um hi hello like why have you been ignoring me and he basically tells her that he can't tell her anything yeah and he basically goes we can't hang out anymore and she's like are you breaking up with me and he goes i guess basically <laughs> i mean because they weren't dating but you know to her it's like you just told me prior previously that you would never hurt me because he does say that to her yeah know? before he's like i would never hurt you the way edward hurt you whatever mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so now he's breaking up with her if you will and she's like, she's know, crushed. You're you're breaking your promise already. Yeah. And he goes, well, this is me keeping that promise of not hurting you. And she's like, whatever that means. Yeah. So in like his own weird twisted way, he thinks that he's doing her a favor by not hanging out with her. So she leaves and she's heartbroken. Like she feels like, oh my God, this is happening to me all over again. First Edward left me. Now this fucking guy left me. Like I can't really catch a break. As she's like stewing in this, she hears a sound like a- She's home now in yeah. her room. And she hears like a pebble against her window and her immediate thought is like, oh my fucking God, Victoria found me and I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. And then she looks and it's Jacob Black and he's throwing rocks at her window. And when she opens the window, doesn't he like climb the tree and like- He's in the tree and he like sways the tree over so he can like jump in right through yeah, her window. Yeah, so he like jumps that. in through her window and I love this scene. He's kind of telling her without really telling her like, you know- It's like, I told wink, you- Wink, wink. I told you what, like, you know, all the tr- our, all of our tribe legends, you kind of know what I am. You know what's going I on. I can't tell you because I'm on a gag order, but if you figure it out, then I'm off the hook. Exactly. And he's like, please, Bella, use your brain and figure it out. Mm-hmm. And then he hugs her and he basically tells her, like, I'm not going to lose you to this. You, you have to figure this out because I will not lose you. Mm-hmm. So that night she goes to bed after he leaves and she has a dream. She dreams about the conversation they had in Twilight mm-hmm. where Jacob tells her the story about how their tribe was supposedly descendants of wolves. And the cold ones. And the story about the cold ones and how he basically insinuates. I think he actually says it full out. Yes. He's like, you guys would call us werewolves or something Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. So she wakes up from this dream and her first thought is werewolf. Much like she figured out the whole vampire thing. She's so intelligent. She's so in tune with the fucking mythological world apparently. Mm -hmm. So she skedaddles on back to Jacob. She also does this because keep in mind, like, these hikers have been dying left, right, and center. And now she thinks that it's the wolves Mm -hmm. that are killing the hikers. So she's mad. She literally thinks that Jacob Black is a killer. killer, So she goes and she confronts him and he's happy that she figured it out. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh my fucking God, now I can talk about it. I knew you would figure it out. You brilliant, beautiful girl. I love you. (laughs) And he's basically like five seconds away from kissing her. But he kind of notices that she's being like, like distant from him. And he's like, wait, like, are you scared of me? And he calls her a hypocrite, essentially. Yeah, he basically says, what, I'm not the right kind of monster for you. And she's like, well, it's not that the fact that you're a wolf, it's the fact that you're like a murderer and he's like question mark question mark question mark what do you mean mm-hmm. and she's like why do you have to kill people jacob and he starts laughing that is his exact reaction he starts laughing at her because he realizes that she thinks that they're the ones that have been murdering people so he tells her he was like you sweet sweet child it's not us we've actually been hunting down the thing that's been doing the killing and the thing that's been doing the killing is it's- vampires exactly and she's like what you can't kill vampires and he's like jokes on you baby that's basically what we're born for and so this is when we find out that in that scene in the meadow that was actually you know jacob and samuel lee and 
all those all of their friends who were werewolves. Yes. And they actually killed Laurent. Yes. So Bella feels relieved and he's like, wait, are you not upset that we killed him? Because in Jacob's head now she's best friends with like every single mm-hmm. vampire. And he's like, wait, aren't you upset that we killed your friend? And she's like, no, I'm she's so like, I'm so happy relieved. you killed him. Because now he didn't have a chance to go tell yeah. Victoria that Bella was unprotected. Exactly. So now both of them are at a happy point because Bella has figured it out. Jacob can finally talk to her about it because now he's not under that gag order anymore. Mm-hmm. So the thing with like wolf packs is Sam Yuli is kind of like the alpha. Mm-hmm. So anything that the alpha says goes. So if Sam Yuli says you cannot fucking tell Bella that you are a werewolf, you he can't. physically cannot. He cannot make the words leave his mouth. But now that Bella's figured it out, he basically found a loophole. So Jacob kind of realizes that she's low-key like a useful person yeah because she's all this information about vampires and the cullens just kind of sharing everything she knows Mm -hmm. and she knows that because jacob even says that you know other than laurent there was this other person who kept coming back and she's like oh and she's like oh my god that's victoria Victoria. and he goes yeah we can't figure out what she wants and she's like yeah she wants to kill me tis me yeah so So jacob's like why would she want to kill you and then she goes into the hole and oh well, we accidentally Edward killed, killed her me. Oopsie. Yeah. yeah. So Jacob gets, you know, Be- Bella basically spills the tea on all the vampires. Yeah. And Jacob is like, I'm going to bring you to Emily's house. So Emily is Samuel's fiance. Yes. So basically before they get to her house, the boys kind of tell her like, don't, don't stare. stare. It bothers Sam. And when Bella sees Emily for the first time, she like she understands what they mean because she has this huge scar on one side of her body that looks like a claw mark. Yes. So you end up finding out that Sam lost control when once and Faze turned into a werewolf in front of Emily and ended up. And that her. is what Jacob is afraid and what doesn't want to happen with Bella because he feels that you know if he ever loses control around her and she's standing too close mm-hmm. that could happen to yeah. her. Yeah. So if he gets emotional or anything, he might mm-hmm. accidentally do that to her. Yeah. So they basically like talk about this whole vampire thing. He like explains what Bella knows, what information she knows. They're kind of pissed off that he found a loophole and he mm-hmm. ends up fighting with like one of the other guys, I think it's Paul. it's Paul. Paul's like the one who always loses his temper. All yeah, the time. Paul's always snapping, but it's really funny because they all take like bets on who's gonna win and like they end up paying each other up and it's mm-hmm. really cute. And then Jacob spills one more little tidbit of tea because now they're not talking in hypotheticals anymore. Now it's not like, ooh, the cold ones and the wolves. It's literally like the Quill Utes and the Collins. So they talk about the treaty. Mm-hmm. And Jacob, and I think Bella asks, like, you know, what could possibly break the treaty? The treaty that the Collins have. Yes, with, with the, the, the Quillies. And Jacob goes, well, if they were to bite a human. Mm-hmm. And Bella takes that to mean, like, if they bite a human and kill them. So in her mind, she's like, oh, okay, the Collins are never going to break the treaty because they don't eat people. So everything's back to normal now, essentially, or as normal as it could be. Now the werewolves are, you know, are are more on alert for Victoria and are watching over her. And if they go on like paroles and stuff, trying to make sure she doesn't kill Bella. Because now they know what what she wants. Mm -hmm. So they're protecting Bella. And Bella ends up hanging out a lot uh, on the reservation because that's the best way that they can keep her safe. Mm -hmm. So I think like at some point in this book, Bella had seen the boys cliff diving. Yeah, she saw the, the boys cliff diving and she asked Jacob, oh my god, are they, like, what are they doing? Are they trying to kill themselves? Yeah, like, what yeah. are they doing? He's like, no, it's recreational, it's for fun. Yeah, you'll love it. So she goes, can you take me cliff diving? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. So at this point in the book, when they're doing all these patrols to try and find Victoria, they're supposed to go cliff diving that day. Jacob, Jacob and Bella. Bella. Yes, but instead, Jacob has to do a patrol because Victoria kind of seems to have she infiltrated. Up, yeah. So Bella's like, well, you know, I'm so bored. Let me just do it by myself. So she fucking drives to this cliff that's, by the way, like insanely tall. Like no human should ever do this. So she drives to the cliff and obviously like, you know, her little hypothesis is correct that every time she does something stupid, she hears Edward's voice. So she's on the cliff and Edward's like, she hears Edward's voice and he's like, don't do this, don't do this. And she's like, you want me to be human. You wanted me to live. So watch me. This is me being human because apparently being human means jumping off a cliff and essentially risking your life. Basically, she's just been adrenaline junkie so this whole time. So she yeets herself off this cliff. Mm-hmm. 
lands in the water. And, you know, forgot that the water would probably be pretty dangerous and super wavy. Yeah, there's, like, so many waves. She's, like, crashing against the rocks. Yeah, and she's basically drowning because the current, the undertow current is, like, like dragging her down. Yeah. And she can't get to the surface. And if that's not bad enough, who's in the water but freaking Miss Victoria? And she sees, like, the fiery red of, like, Victoria's hair while she's, like, dying Literally drowning. drowning. And And she would have drowned if Jacob didn't pull her out of the water at this very moment. So Jacob, like, yanks her out of the water. And he's like, are you dumb? Like, you could have just... CPR on her. Exactly. He's like, hello, like, I could have gone with you. You should have waited for me. Mm -hmm. He eventually takes her home. So on the drive home, I think this is when Bella is, like, contemplating their relationship. And you also find out that um, Harry Clearwater has passed away from a heart attack. And that's one of uh, Charlie's very good friends. Oh, yeah. Which is an important part. No, it is it is an important part. I totally forgot about that because I feel like it happened so fast. So as Bella's cliff diving, Harry Clearwater has a heart attack. Has a heart attack and dies. Mm. So he pulls her out of the water and I, oh yeah, that's right. He does. He tells her he's like Harry Clearwater is dead, and she's like, oh my god, what can I do? And he's like, I'm just gonna take you home. That's the best thing. Yeah, because Charlie was at the hospital yeah. at the time with their family. So as he's driving home with her, Bella's like contemplating their relationship, and I think she compares him to Paris from Romeo and Juliet. So Romeo and Juliet's like a big theme in this book Mm -hmm. um because of the whole like edward is romeo she's juliet and she likens jacob black to paris and she kind of thinks to herself like if paris was juliet's best friend could she have loved him and she's basically trying to convince herself that like maybe the love is not going to be the same but that it would be good still that she would still be able to love him and live a happy life with him and again as someone who's named jacob I genuinely think that she could. I don't think it'd be like the all-consuming love that she had with Edward, but I think that it would eventually be a romantic love between them. Well, being team Edward, I would still have to agree that if like, you know, eventually she probably would have felt romantic attractions to Jacob, but I just think that, you know, it will never be that the same love that she had for Edward. Just very different. Yeah. And I mean, she flat out admits that. She says that it would probably be wildly different, but maybe I could be happy with this. Mm -hmm. As you know, she's contemplating her life and they drive up to this house, Jacob basically starts gagging and he's like, there's a vampire here. What is that smell? There's a vampire here. And then Bella notices Alice's car. And she gets so excited. Yes. Or it wasn't Alice's car. It was Carlisle's car. Anyways, she notices a car. She notices a Collins car. And she's like, oh my God, the Collins are here. And she gets super excited. So she, Jacob is like, I can't protect you in the house because of the treaty. Yeah, because that 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 area is the Collins territory. So he's like, so I have to leave. If you go in there. I can't protect you. I can't protect she's you. Like, you don't need to protect me. I'm safe with the Collins. And now this is the first time you really see Jacob like lose his temper. And he's like, okay, so you're basically as good as dead. So he like leaves. Mm-hmm. She goes in the house. And who's there but Alice Cullen? Who thinks that she's dead. Yes. She thinks that Bella threw herself off the cliff on purpose to try to kill herself. Yes. And instead of keeping this information to herself, she had told Rosalie. Rosalie. Now, Alice spends, I think, a night at she Bella's house. She sleeps over at Bella's well, sleeps. Vampires don't sleep. But right. she stays over at Bella's house. And she's night. very thankful. She's like, oh my God, thank God you're not dead. I don't know what I would have done. And this is one of my favorite parts in the book when Alice and Charlie have a conversation. While well, Bella's allegedly sleeping. Allegedly sleeping. Basically, Charlie explains to Alice that like Edward leaving absolutely crushed her Mm -hmm. and that like he wasn't sure she was going to be able to make it and this this was so heartbreaking to me charlie's just such a good such a good dad yeah it was just so sad it was it was so you kind of find out what was happening during you know that october november yeah december january like she she literally wouldn't talk to anyone she had nightmares where she would scream her head off like yeah she her mom came to take her to Jacksonville and she refused to go. She, she like threw, threw a tantrum. tantrum. Yeah. So suffice to say, it wasn't a pretty time for Bella. Yeah. And Charlie's like, I hope you coming here is not going to fuck up all the progress that she made because mm-hmm. Jacob Black makes her really happy. And Alice is like, hmm, me too. So she wakes up and I think Jacob. Jacob comes to check on her the next day. Because he's like, okay, I didn't actually want you to die. Like, I just want to make sure you're fine. And Alice like 
leaves for a bit because she doesn't want to deal with werewolves. Yeah. She also doesn't want to be around the werewolves because her visions don't work anytime a werewolf is involved. Yes. So she decides to like... And apparently they also smell bad to vampires. So yeah. Apparently everyone just smells bad. Like everyone. So anyways, Jacob and Bella are having a conversation. In the kitchen. In the kitchen. And then the phone rings. The phone rings while he's like this close to kissing her. are like centimeters apart. Like Jacob Black is about to plant one on her. And the phone rings. And the phone fucking rings. And ruins the moment. He picks up the phone. I don't know. And he goes, Swan Residence. And I'm like, dude, you were just about to make out with her. I don't her. know. He shouldn't have like let that ruin his moment. No. So he picks up the phone and he's like, Swan Residence. And you hear this little conversation and he goes, he's at a funeral. And then he hangs up the phone. And Bella's like, who the fuck was that? And then you find out that Jacob says, oh, it's Carlisle. And he he didn't ask for you. He asked for Charlie. So I just told him the truth that he was with, that he was at a funeral. And then Alice runs in the house. And she's like, what did you do? She's like, I just saw a vision of Edward going to the Volturi. And the Volturi are this, you know, this family in Italy mm-hmm. who basically claim that they're the royalty and they get to enforce all the vampire laws. I mean, yeah. there aren't that many vampire laws other than the fact that... Don't reveal yourself. Don't reveal yourselves and don't kill conspicuously. Yeah. So, but Edward did tell her that you never go to the Volturi or you never upset the Volturi. Because they will kill you. Yes. So the only time you would upset the Volturi is if you wanted to die. Exactly. So you find out that Rosalie had told, called Edward and told him that Bella jumped off a cliff. Edward took this to Mina as, oh my God, Bella killed herself called the house, pretended that he was Carlisle, and when Jacob said he's at a funeral, he assumed that Charlie was at Bella's funeral. So this is like, he's like, that's it. I but cannot it was, survive without yeah. her. It was actually Harry Clearwater's Yes, exactly. Funeral. So Alice is like, dude, you got to come to Italy with me. Yes, because Edward is basically trying to kill himself. Yeah. And Bella's like, yeah, sure, no problem. So she writes her dad a note, which I think is absolutely fucking insane. Can you imagine leaving your parents a note and being like, uh, see you, mom and dad. I'm going to Europe for a bit. Peace. See you later. And meanwhile, Jacob's like, please don't go. Don't oh leave God, me, whatever. Yeah. And Bella's like, well, I'm not going to let him kill himself over guilt that he thinks that I killed myself because because of him, him, right? So she's like, peace. And she packs a bag and they get her and Alice get on a plane last minute and they fly to Florence. Mm -hmm. So they fly and um, they basically get to Italy and she, whatever, a little bit of havoc ensues. They run into this festival at the city where the Volturi live Mm -hmm. and it's a San Marco Day festival who apparently the festival is... The festival is named after Marcus, who was one of the three main Volturi people. The yeah. three main people are Arrow, Marcus, and Caius. Caius. And the people in this town, Volturi, which is a real place in Italy, you can actually visit it. I don't know if they actually celebrate this in real life, but this, this day is to celebrate the expulsion of vampires from the city. Because apparently St. Marcus expelled all the vampires from the town of Volturi and made it so all safe. those years ago and then after that happened there was no more vampire killings and everyone in that town is safe but they just hid they, they just hid themselves and made sure that no one killed inside the city exactly so they get to the city bella's like running through this crowd alice is explaining that like i can't go to him because he's not going to believe me i told emmett and jasper to stay home because they're not gonna so you are the only person he won't see coming and she kind of explains to bella where edward will be he'll be under the the clock tower and he's going to take his shirt off and show everyone that he sparkles in the sun and then the vulture and the vulture will have to kill him because he tried to expose vampires to humankind also if you've ever been to italy there are so many clock towers i feel like those are not the direction every town has a clock tower yeah but like there aren't sometimes this is the main one though i know but like as someone who's directionally challenged if someone were to be like hey go to the piazza with the clock tower in and i'd be like she had a specific piazza to go to. I forget the name. Oh, yeah, you're right. She did. I'll they, said this pi- ask people for this piazza. And poor Bella, who's never spoken another language she's, in her life, is like, <laughs> she's like, okay. Okay, I'm going to run there. But she does end up finding Edward. And, and Edward thinks that he, so Edward takes his shirt off. He's about to step in the sun and then Bella runs into him just in time. Yes. Great timing. She like literally hugs him and she's like, back into the you shadow. You need to get into blah, the, blah, blah. yeah. And he's like, oh, 
I must be in heaven. I'm dead and you're dead. We're here together. Oh yeah. Oh no. And then he makes a comment. He's like, or maybe this is hell. I don't know. I don't care. This is amazing. So Bella's basically like, no. You're alive. I'm alive. You need to move. You idiot. Obviously, they still have caused a little bit of a kerfuffle because yes. of all to catch wind of this. And I think there are even like some kids who kind of see some yes. sparkling happen. Exactly. But because they're children, like... No one's going to believe them. Not we'll forget in a couple of years. Exactly. So the Volturi send some of the guard to basically take Alice, Edward, and Bella down to meet the three main members of the Volturi, mm-hmm. Aro, Caius, and Marcus. and Marcus. And when they get down there, basically they explain like, oh, it was a misunderstanding, da 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 But the big problem that the Volturi have is that Bella. Edward and Bella are together. And Bella is a human. a human and knows that vampires exist. And they're and like, that basically breaks their main law. Yeah, that humans cannot know we exist. So the Volturi are like, no, 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 no. This cannot be happening. So we will have to dispose of her. So they all kind of like freak out. And Alice is like, no, wait, I've seen it. She becomes one of us. And Aro's power, because you know, some vampires have power. If you if you touch him, if he touches you, he can see what you're thinking and visualizing he can in that see moment. Every thought you've ever had. Yes. So he touches Alice's hand and Alice and he's like, ha ha ha, Alice, she's right. Yeah, Alice shows her a vision of Bella being a vampire that she's had. Mm-hmm. And Aro also calls Bella like Edward's singer mm-hmm. that her blood specially calls to him. Yeah. At this point, like the Volturi let them leave only because Alice has essentially promised that Bella will be a vampire. And Caius warns them. He's like, we will check up on you to yeah. make sure she's a vampire and we don't offer second chances. So if we come see you next time, yeah. she's not a vampire, we will dispose of her then. And this is a very serious threat because you do meet some members of the guard while they're and in they're Volterra. All super creepy. Yeah, like fucking Jane. Basically, her power is it's like this like little blonde girl, and she can essentially make you feel excruciating pain. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't but it doesn't work on Bella. Right, because you know, she has a glitch in her brain, mm-hmm. as she would and like Aro's to say. And power also don't work on Bella as well. Yeah. So I think Aro, I think Aro has like other motivations too like i think he thinks that if bella becomes a vampire she will have these cool powers and he's interested to see what type of vampire she'll be yes he likes to collect cool vampires Mm -hmm. so he really loves edward and alice so they go da 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 and then edward and bella have a conversation back when they're in forks yes now edward saved the you know they all went back home. Everyone's chilling. The Cullens decide to move back to Forks now. Right, because they realize that, like, clearly it was a stupid idea to leave. We caused more problems than fixed any. Mm-hmm. Charlie is understandably furious. Yes. And the conversation that Edward and Bella have, Edward is like, how could you believe that, that I, I didn't, didn't love you? you? And he also explains that he didn't realize that there was a threat with Victoria. And he says that, you know, had I known Victoria was going to hunt you, and try to kill you, I would have never left in the first place. Mm-hmm. He thought that she was leaving her safe and that yeah. she would be in no one, there would be no threat to her by him leaving. Which I think is dumb, but I guess I guess his train of thought was like, well, if I leave, maybe Victoria will think that I don't love you anymore and it won't be as fun for her to kill no, you. He didn't think Victoria was chasing her at all. Oh, he didn't even know. No, he didn't realize that Victoria would try to avenge James. James. Because he mentions in the book, he's like when I was reading James' mind, I didn't pay attention to hers. Yeah. So he didn't even see that their relationship was the was fact that they were mates. Yeah. So he didn't know that she would try mm-hmm. to avenge James. Yeah. So that's Edward's whole explanation of why he left her in the fucking woods, which I also think is still wishy-washy because... I mean, I didn't love the fact that he was saying to her, like, how could you believe because again, that I didn't... I'm like, what, is it Bella's fault? Again, it's it's always Bella's fault. He's like, you actually believed me? I was so heartbroken that you could actually believe and she's that like, I didn't love you. And then all she says in reciprocate, she goes... Well, it didn't make sense for you to love me anyway. Because I'm such an ordinary girl. Literally facepalm is how I feel about Big that. Big fucking facepalm. I was like, girl, he's obsessed with you. How could... I, I don't know. I would have put up one Anyways, anyway, so they reconcile. You know, they admit that they still love each other. And he says, I'm never going to leave you again. I'm too selfish. I can never... I, ne- I don't have the strength to leave you again. And she brings up the fact that, okay, well, if you don't want me to leave you, like, clearly there's only one solution to this. And that is to turn me into a vampire. And he's like... Oh my fucking god, can we drop this? I can hide you from the Volturi. And she's like, you know what? Let's put it to a vote. The most democratic and diplomatic thing you can do. Democracy, ladies so and gentlemen. she assembles all the Collins at their house. And she's like, so we're going to put this to a vote. And who wants me to be a vampire? Yes or no? So everyone says yes, Next. with the exception of Rosalie and Edward. Edward. 
You don't really get a full understanding of Rosalie's answer in this one. We don't find that out till Eclipse. Yeah, but she basically says, like, I wish someone would have voted no for me. Yeah, she's like, I, n I would not have chosen this life for myself. Yeah, and Edward, obviously, we know, thinks that he's damning her soul, so he will not be the one to do it. But yeah, and everyone else says yes, and Carlisle says, this is the only way. If you choose not to live without her, mm -hmm. I'm not going to lose my son. And honestly, he's right. Ever the voice of logic... Carlisle makes the most sense. He's like, well, you've chosen not to live without her, so you must turn her into a vampire. Or else she's going to die one day, and then, what, you're going to kill yourself then? Yeah, we can't have this. No, and he's he like, also, I'm not losing my son. And he also doesn't want the Volturi, like, sniffing around all the time. Yes, like, because that probably will happen. Exactly. So anyways, so basically it's it's all set, and... And Carlisle's like, I'll be the one to change you because I have the most self-control. Yes. Blah, blah, blah. Now, Bella, as they're, t as they're talking about this after to Edward, I think Edward asks her, like, if, if I could give you, like, one thing, what would it be? And Bella's like, I want you to change me. Mm -hmm. And his response to this is, give me five years. And she's like, are you insane? He's like, okay, well, then give me three years. And she's like, are you insane? She goes, if you're stuck as a teenager... I'm stuck as a teenager. The most I'll get to is eight, as 19. That's it. So she's like, I'm giving you another year. And he's like, fine. I counter that. I will give you a year if you marry me. And she's like, is that a joke? And he was like, what, should I have gotten a ring? And he's she's like, like, she's like, no, no rings. No, please don't get me a ring. But he yes. So his stipulation says, I will change you if you marry me. Yes. And then she makes this joke. She's like, I'll give you 18 months. And he's like, haha, no. He's like, I like this game. So new bargain as of right now is Bella lives another year as a human, which will bring her to 19, which will mean that she graduates high school. And the second part of the stipulation is they will get married prior to her change. So the end of this book actually ends off with the marriage proposal and her kind of, her not saying no, her thinking about it. I mean, the other option is Carlisle will change her. If they've decided that, she will, she'll wait till after her graduation, mm -hmm. her, her uh, high school graduation, mm -hmm. for Carlisle to change her. Mm -hmm. So that's still an option. Option one is Carlisle will change her after graduation. And that's totally fine. That's fine. However, if she wants Edward to change her, she has to marry him first. Yes. That's so his stipulation. We end off New Moon with a marriage proposal, but there's a little uh, epilogue. There is a little epilogue. Which I think is good epilogue, actually. Well, I mean, because we haven't seen Jacob since she got back, since she left for Italy. Yes. So now we get to see Jacob in the epilogue. Yeah. And you find out that she's been trying to call him and he just hasn't been answering his phone. Mm -hmm. So basically you find out that Jacob does the most dickish thing he could probably yeah, do. Yeah, this was a low point for him. I yeah, it admit. really was. You you can tell at this point in time that he's a 16-year-old yes. boy. Yes. He goes to Charlie and he spills the beans about... The motorcycles. Yes. And Charlie is very anti-motorcycles. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. He I is. mean, they were riding out around without helmets, so which dumb, I mean, dumb. stupid. Anyways, so Bella was already grounded from you know leaving the country and just you know piecing out to Italy. Exactly. So she was already in trouble, and the reason that Jacob did this was because he thought that Edward was the reason why Bella wasn't going to see him. Yes, but it wasn't that. It was because she was grounded. Yeah, she wasn't allowed to leave. So he decides that the best course of action is to tell Charlie about the motorcycles, and that will get her grounded, which means that she won't be allowed to see Edward. Right, but now she's just double in trouble, and she's furious at him. She's like, she just felt like betrayed. Yeah. So that's like the little epilogue, that, basically. and then it basically ends with with her like having to go talk to Charlie, and yeah. Edward's like, "Don't worry, I'm here." Yeah, as if that's gonna make the situation better because <laughs> Charlie fucking hates Edward at this point. Yes. So that, ladies and gentlemen, is the ending of New Moon. Is the ending of New Moon, which has the best movie soundtrack, in my it opinion. Does. It does. It does have the best movie soundtrack. But currently, I am on the fence of Team Jacob, Team Edward. I will never change. Yes. You will never change. I will always be. I mean, reading this second time, I did. I did like Jacob a lot more than the first yes. time I read the book. Mm -hmm. I was like, the first time I read the book, I was literally like, how many more pages till Edward comes back? Yeah. <laughs> the first time I read it, I was like, I can't do this anymore. Where's Edward? Where's Edward? Whereas this time, I really appreciated their their development of the relationship of yeah of, of Bella and Jacob, and they had like a normal. As normal as it can be. I mean, as normal as but before he turns into a werewolf. I know, I know, or, I know. Yeah. But still, very like warm, very human, very like very like warm human relationship mm -hmm. that they both have. So we'll definitely get to see that develop in the next book. So the next book we'll be doing is Eclipse. Yep. Thanks for listening, everyone. We appreciate it. Um, if you've taken time to listen to us, subscribe. 
now we're on Apple, so we're pretty excited. Leave um, us a review. Yes, please. And our email is in the podcast description if you feel like you need to email us about anything. Um, anyways. And so thanks for listening to the third episode of Two Book Bitches. Bye.